Welcome to America's Retirement Headquarters, home of the Retirement Guys Formula and America's Medicare Associates. Securities offered through Peak Brokerage Services, LLC. Advisory services offered through the Retirement Guys Formula. Registered Investment Advisor, America's Retirement Headquarters, America's Medicare Associates, and the Retirement Guys Formula are separate and independent entities from Peak Brokerage Services, LLC. Joining us here on America's Retirement Headquarters, home of the Retirement Guys Formula and America's Medicare Associates with Nolan Baker and Scott Kirshner and myself. My name is Chris Swan. AmericasRetirementHeadquarters.com. That's the website. The phone number, 419-794-3030. Once again, 419-794-3030, AmericasRetirementHeadquarters.com. On today's show, why there's no such thing as a dumb question when you meet with a financial advisor. We're going to talk about how an independent financial advisor stands apart from those big box firms. And now the AAP has ended, what's next? All this and more. But first... Let me check in with the guys. Nolan, not with us this week, but uh, Chaz Price is with us once again. And then Scott Kirshner, of course. So, gentlemen, glad to be with you. Uh, Chaz, welcome back. How are you guys doing? Yeah, we're doing very well today. Um, you know, it's we're at the holiday season. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, we got all of these office Christmas parties. And um, I know we had a couple of them this past week. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, none of this food is low calorie. It's like all of this food we eat is just like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Don't want to even look at the scale. I know. Stuff I know. On it right now. It's kind of like going on a cruise. You know, you go on a cruise and they say, hey, if you're going on a cruise for seven days, it's uh, the 710. You gain 10 pounds in a seven-day cruise. So <laughs> it's kind of like that around the holiday seasons. Chaz, thank you very much for joining us. Absolutely. Um, uh, Glad you know, to be on the show. Yep, Nolan's out of town. He's uh, out doing some visiting some uh, different agencies in uh, Chicago area this past week here. So um, glad to have Chaz stand in for us. Happy to do it. Definitely happy to have you. Always a busy time uh, at America's Retirement Headquarters because retirement doesn't really stop. It goes through the holiday season. So while everyone mm-hmm. else is running around and, you know, offices may be closed, America's Retirement Headquarters is still for you. So if you have questions about your retirement, you know, even during this time of year, feel free to give a call 419-794-3030. Uh, also with, with Medicare and health insurance and things like that, because Scott, now that AEP has come to an end for yet another year, you can put a bow on the 2022 AEP season. Uh, what can people on Medicare expect moving forward into 2023? Those that have chosen their plans already during the annual election period, is that it? Are they are they locked in or is, is that it until next October 15th? Well, you know, you would think that after the big uh, push for AEP, things would slow down. But um, we get a little break. And, you know, I don't know if the government's given us a little a couple of week break here between AEP and OEP. But uh, uh, no, that's a great question, Chris. Um, uh, this past AEP very well may have been my best AEP ever. Um, I was able to help a lot of people, which is uh, very um, uh, satisfying to me to know that I could actually make a difference in some people, uh, people's lives. But uh, what's up next is what's called OEP. Uh, OEP is the open enrollment period that runs from January 1st until March 31st. So it's kind of like a um, it's kind of like a do over, so to speak, or that mulligan for golf, or that um, that do over. So anybody that signed up for an Advantage plan or a prescription drug plan, a standalone prescription drug plan, you get to make a one time change moving into 2023. You know, so for example, if you you uh, signed up for an Advantage plan. And then you discover sometime in from January 1st to March 31st that either the doctor or the hospital is no longer taking that plan, then you get the opportunity to change from that plan. 
and go on to a different plan. You can even go back to the plan you were on prior to uh, making the change during the AEP period. So there are um, uh, options available during the OEP period, which follows a, a couple of weeks after AEP closes. Oh, you mentioned there the little the little lull between the, the, the break, the calm there. Uh, if I have to editorialize, I think it's that they don't want to work during the holidays, so that's probably has something to do with it. <laughs> right, right. But, uh, so you mentioned people with the Advantage plan, they can use this to kind of have that, that mulligan period. What if someone has a Medigap or a supplement plan? Can, can they make a change? Oh, sure. See, so that's, um, that's a great question also. So the, you know, I mentioned earlier about the, um, uh, the standalone, the PDP plan, right? Mm -hmm. So the PDP plan is typically what you purchase when you have a Medigap or a Medicare supplement, okay? I will tell you this, if you do have a Medigap or Medicare supplemental policy, the annual and the open enrollment periods do not pertain to those type of plans at okay. all. Okay, so those plans typically follow your birthday month. So um, most people know, if you don't know, your Medicare um, birthday month is, uh, if you were born, say, February, and let's say February 8th, and uh, your first day of eligibility is the first day of the month you turn 65. So if you purchase a Medigap plan, or a Medicare supplement, they're one in the same, you know, so don't be confused by those two, they're one in the same, then your plan uh, effective dates are February 1st to February 1st that following year. Mm -hmm. So if you buy a drug plan in which you, I always encourage you to purchase a drug plan. If you don't purchase a drug plan when you're first eligible, then you'll uh, incur a lifetime penalty and we want to avoid penalties. Uh, so you, uh, your prescription plan would run from February 1st until December 31st, and then it would go January to January. So I know that's kind of confusing. So your Medigap or Medicare uh, supplemental policy would run the first day of your 65th birth month, and then your PDP plan would actually run from that month until December 31st and then go on a calendar year. So I got a lot of different dates and things to keep track of. If you need help with that, you can always give a call to the team, 419-794-3030, or uh, you can reach out to America's Medicare Associates directly, americasmedicareassociates.com. Now, something we've talked about often on the show is people that are working past, you know, full retirement age, quote-unquote full mm -hmm. retirement age, past 65. If someone is already over 65 and they're just now maybe entertaining the possibility of retiring, what kind of options do they have? So um, we have a lot of these acronyms, right? We have AEP, we have OEP. Now we're talking about what's called SEP. That's a special enrollment period, okay? Uh, anybody that works past 65 has an employer plan. You stay on that employer plan, and then you all of a sudden you decide to retire. Maybe you're 68 years old. You're going to pull the plug and retire, right? You're going to come in. You're going to meet with the guys here at America's Retirement Headquarters and get your financial plans put in place, and then you need to worry about Medicare. So... During this period, you can actually sign up for Medicare anytime after 65, providing you had a employer plan. One of the things uh, that I'm seeing a lot more, um, uh, and Chance, you can even kind of attest to this, but one of the things I see a lot more is people working past 65 mm -hmm. to keep those benefits because of maybe some health issues or that, or quite frankly, you know, the cost of inflation, the cost of gas prices, the way the, the rising cost of everything, they have to keep working because maybe they're not in a position anymore because of the market fluctuation, things like that. You can sign up anytime after 65 and uh, you actually have eight months to choose a plan with no penalty. 
Now, I'm not real sure why you would wait eight months um, unless your employer is going to pay, uh, you know, extend your coverage uh, at zero cost. Uh, but you can sign up. You have eight months after you turn 65 and after you retire at 68 or 69, whatever age you decide to sign up for Medicare with no penalty. You know, so there's there's a lot of different options available. You know, the special enrollment period, we don't see a whole lot of um, uh, outside of the OEP or the AEP. Most people are choosing to retire at the end of the year. You know, uh, maybe a Christmas gift to them is to pull the plug and retire. But, uh, you know, one of the things that I really noticed this past um, AEP, and it's kind of some shocking numbers to me, was the number of people that just quite frankly didn't know what they had, hadn't talked to an advisor for probably 10, 15 years, and, um, you know, just chose, quite frankly, to not do anything. And uh, it was very comforting to me this past AEP to, to go through and meet with a lot of people. Um, I was able to talk with a lot of those people that didn't really have um, uh, an advisor, and I was able to, you know, become their advisor and help them out, and, um, you know, they'll get their annual letters for me to do the reviews. But, um, you know, it's kind of some staggering numbers out there with uh, people that just don't don't know what they even have. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, you know, you, you have to know what you have. You have to at least meet with somebody at least once a year to go through some changes. You know, one of the things that I've really instituted this year, kind of setting us apart from a lot of the other um, advising firms out there, is we do what's called the Get Connected. And I know that Nolan and and, and you, Chaz, do the Get Connected where you bring the client back in and you kind of go through some different things with them. I've instituted that in in my business as well, you know, because so often what happens is if you call that 800 number and sign up on the television advertisements, whatever, once you're enrolled, you really don't talk to anybody anymore. Okay. And um, even some advisors do that. You know, they sign you up and maybe you won't hear from them until the AEP. Well, one of the things that we're doing is... um, I will have my clients come back after they get their welcome packet and uh, we'll sit down with them and we'll actually create their online account so we can navigate through all of their, um, you know, their plan design, make sure they understand and take advantage of all of the different features uh, because there's a lot of things that people aren't taking advantage of, like over-the-counter items or, uh, you know, you can verify doctors and hospitals and a network and, uh, you, know, some other, the, you know, some of the other things is review a claim. Uh, and there's so many other things that a lot of people aren't familiar with. So uh, we're doing that now. So for me, yes, AEP is over, but um, uh, the work doesn't stop because we want these clients to come back in and enroll them in their uh, online accounts and navigate that for them. So uh, keep in mind, um, if you, you, you do want to make a change, you still can make a change starting January 1st through the open enrollment period. Uh, after that closes, then you're pretty much locked into that plan for the rest of the year. So again, it's something that we've said numerous times, especially during the uh, annual election period, uh, make sure that you get this squared away. If, if you didn't do that prior to December 7th, you've got a little bit more time uh, coming up at the beginning of the year. This is something that uh, just goes to show it is not a, you know, thanks for coming in and we'll see you never sort of relationship with the team at America's Retirement Headquarters and America's Medicare Associates. It's an ongoing relationship having those annual, if not more frequent reviews, uh, whether it is pertaining to your retirement accounts, whether it's pertaining to your Medicare plan. And there may be situations where you actually don't have to make any changes at all, but it is better to go ahead and have that and find that out than to, uh, you know, (laughs) go to the doctor, say in April and find out, oh, you really actually should have made these changes and 
and now you're locked into it. So it's part of the process. It's something that you get squared away. If we threw out a lot of acronyms, I understand that. If you need a little bit of clarification on that, give a call. Schedule a time to speak with Scott, 419-794-3030, or you can reach out directly to him. Uh, his email address is uh, scottk at theretirementhq.com. You can also find him online, americasmedicareassociates.com. Well, the Fed's interest rate hikes eventually tame inflation. Uh, Randall Krusner is a former member of the Federal Reserve Board of Governors, and he tells Fox Business that it's honestly too early to tell. Usually it's sort of six to 18 months is when the, the main impact comes. The Fed really only started tightening in March, so we're probably going to see the impact on the labor market. I do think the unemployment rate is going to start to go up. The challenge is that the Fed needed to move quickly to make sure they didn't allow inflation expectations to get out of control. But by moving so quickly, they haven't had time to see, well, what is really going to be the consequence for the economy? Have they gone too far? It kind of reminds me if you're trying to get a, a pot of water to boil and you just turn up the temperature, don't really give it time and suddenly it, it's boiling over. But, you know, it just goes to show even the experts aren't sure of what's going to happen. So, guys, Chaz, how do you prepare your clients for a, a soft landing or perhaps even a crash landing? Yeah, that's actually a good analogy, Chris. And I uh, describe inflation as kind of a good old-fashioned blame game right now that's going on. So what you see is the Fed, uh, Jerome Powell um, and and his team there, are basically blaming Congress in some respect that maybe they spent too much money. And then Congress is blaming the Fed that they weren't able to foresee or anticipate or to stave off any of the supply chain um, issues that we've been seeing. The employees are blaming the employers for not getting enough money, and then the employers are blaming the employees for having to pay too much money. So again, it's just a it, there's enough blame to really go around with what's going on with inflation. Uh, I think Randall is correct that the Fed did overshoot the mark. Traditionally, the Fed uh, has not really been a good good essentially at you know predicting inflation or again uh, of kind of leading the economy out of it. It's it's really difficult even for, for them with all of the, the people that they have working for them and, and all of the tools and the resources that they have. It's difficult for anybody to predict something like that. On the other hand is they only have one tool, which is, well, they have two, but the one they're using currently is to rise or, or to increase or decrease interest rates. And a lot of folks think that that's not the best tool for the job. And uh, kind of as you as you explained there, Chris, you know, turning up the heat, that's basically what they're doing mm-hmm. is increasing interest rates and in hope that that slows down inflation, uh, just basically putting people out of work, causing a recession, essentially. And so uh, a soft landing would be one where they time it just right, where uh, inflation, it doesn't become a deep recession, where there, there is massive unemployment, where it's just maybe a little bit of unemployment, and then we kind of, you know, bounce like when you're on a, a bad plane flight and you're coming down it's kind of a hard hit uh, but it's obviously not terminal so that's kind of what the hope is I have some concerns you know one again I don't think that it's the right tool for the job I don't think it's really an unemployment thing uh, I think it's a demand issue uh, where there's just not enough goods and services f- to go around mm-hmm. there's a lot more demand and there's just isn't a supply for things so whether that means Congress coming up with some policies or procedures to increase supply. You know, we, we were kind of threatened with the rail strike. I know everybody's mm-hmm. been eminently concerned about that and we were able to avoid that, but that would have been a disaster. Christmas would have been canceled. Yeah. Uh, but again, it's not the tool for the job. I think the Fed 
they're doing the best that they can. It's a very um, difficult job, but it's there's enough blame to go around. The, the current interest rate that the Fed has set, uh, the discount rate, which is the rate that banks and, and companies, uh, banks borrow from uh, the Federal Reserve, is around three and a quarter. And I think the consensus is that we probably will see another 1.75% increase in that discount rate or the Federal Reserve's rate. And so that puts that terminal rate, which is very important, in the circles that we follow, uh, everybody's watching for that terminal rate. Mm -hmm. Where is the government going to stop rising interest rates? And we think that it's five. And so whether or not they increase interest rates 50 basis points or 75 basis points, kind of keep an eye on that 5% figure. That's really what we're looking at. Um, But going forward, I don't see inflation really going down anytime soon. Uh, And the reason being is because of the latter, which I talked about, the blame game where employers are are blaming um, employees for requiring more money. You know, I think you can work at McDonald's for 15 to 17 bucks an hour. Mm -hmm. You know, Amazon's up close to 17, 18 bucks. My daughter got her first job at uh, a retailer, JCP. She's maybe 12 or 13. I'm not sure, but you know, that's high. Those wages are high and wage growth is probably the biggest component to inflation Mm -hmm. and it's sticky, meaning you can't take that money back. Right. You can't expect somebody to go to work for you for 15 to $17 an hour and then say, oh, you know what? Inflation's down. We're going to take it back down to eight or nine. Right. So that's going to be something that's going to persist for a long period of time is higher wages in the economy. And then also, I think just a, a strong economy, it does involve a measure of inflation. There should always be some inflation. We should always be growing if the economy is strong and if um, you know people are, are able to purchase goods and services uh, and, and continue to grow the economy, mm-hmm. we should have some inflation. So I don't think it's going to go down. I think it's going to persist. Um, the government will continue to raise interest rates until the pot starts boiling over, which we expect that to be at least another 1.75, 2% in that, in that uh, Federal Reserve's rate, the discount rate increase. And I remember, you know, at the uh, about the middle of last year, they said the inflation was going to be "quote unquote" transitory. Mm-hmm. We didn't talk about a, a misstep on their part. I think yeah. that is that is truly one. And you know, we're still feeling the effects, and they're still trying to overcorrect for that. And mm-hmm. uh, they also said, you know, we'd probably be down to two or three percent by the end of the year. Well, yeah, here we are. Not Even, so much. Uh, hopefully, they get this under wraps sooner rather than later. But uh, you need to have a plan put in place to know that you know interest rates are going to fluctuate. Inflation is going to always be a factor. Hopefully, not to this magnitude. But you're going to need that that uh, all-weather retirement strategy, and that is what you get with the team at America's Retirement Headquarters. So if inflation and interest rates and market volatility has got you concerned, well, pick up the phone and and take action for that. Give a call, schedule a time to speak with them, 419-794-3030, or go online to the website at americasretirementheadquarters.com. Now, the Dow Jones Industrial Average has certainly had an up-and-down year. Recently, the index climbed close to 34,000 twice. But a prediction by one market analyst is certainly grabbing a lot of attention. He thinks the Dow is going to maybe hit 40,000 in the next 12 to 18 months, despite inflation, despite these higher interest rates and the looming threat of a recession. Now, when you manage retirement portfolios, are you thinking that far out or are you more concerned about the here and the now? I think we're more concerned about the long term for our clients, obviously. I mean, we try to put policies in in. Uh, portfolios in place that are going to achieve help you to achieve your long-term goals. But certainly it is 
very difficult to uh, avoid or to not notice what you know we've been seeing going on in the stock market recently. And so um, I, I think that's a little bit of a lofty goal, uh, 40,000 on the Dow. Mm. I mean, to, in, in one respect, there is a lot of cash still on the sidelines and people have been kind of flocking to cash and money market investments just because of some of the issues that we've talked about in previous segments about the effect that rising interest rates have on all investments. And the reason being is that now there are better alternatives. There are better fixed interest rates that investors have the ability to invest in. And so if I'm a rational investor and I'm considering investing in a money market or a CD that might be paying four or 5%, do I need to take the risk associated with the stock market? And many folks may say no. And so that's why I think we've seen this across the, the board uh, capitulation of, of the stock market. But again, there, there are some bright spots to the economy. Certainly unemployment has been one. We continue to see some of the lowest unemployment that we've seen in, in our history. You know, we're closer to maybe three and a half percent, which actually would, would generally indicate that that's a good sign for the economy. But in the previous segment, we talked about the Federal Reserve and their aggressive, hawkish policy of taking interest rates up. One of the factors or one of the indicators that the Fed is looking at is unemployment. Hmm. And counterintuitively, which is why I think it's been so difficult for financial advisors and investors to make rational decisions, is because as unemployment continues to go down, meaning there's a demand for workers in the economy, that actually is a catalyst and impetus for the Federal Reserve to take interest rates up again. That's really hard for, for me to you know, conceptualize is I need unemployment to go up. I need more people out of work in the United States in order for the stock market to go up. And that's kind of the environment that we're in. But relatively speaking, interest rates still are very low. I think the Dow Jones, uh, it, it is possible, you know, as I'm looking at the numbers year to date, the Dow Jones industrial average compared to some of the other indices is still relatively good. I mean, it's only down as of the close uh, Friday, down about 6% year to date. So we have been seeing cash flows start to move in the direction of the Dow. For those of you that don't know what the Dow Jones is, it's, it's an industrial average. Uh, uh, all the companies, the big earth movers, the, the companies that build things like the John Deere's of the world, the 3M's, the IBM's, you know, that build things. They have earnings, uh, generally are well capitalized. Those are the companies that we're starting to see some flows going into. So it's, it's possible, uh, certainly, you know, as people start to shift their investment strategies in the first part of the year away from some of those tech heavy to the Dow Jones, it's possible that we would see, uh, you know, a 40,000 of the Dow, which is about an 18 to 19 percent increase. Correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, uh, Chaz, here. I, I read recently about the Dow Jones, try to get a better understanding of it. And the, the stocks that are tied to it are not something that's locked in permanently, right? Like if one is underperforming, they'll just replace it with a, another uh, heavy hitter. Is yeah. That- Generally speaking, I, I think it has to do with the market and the, and the cap, uh, the, the market capitalization and the size of the firm. And, you know, if they, based on the number of shares that are outstanding, not to get too technical, mm-hmm. and the share price, if the share price drops, you know, below, uh, you know, the market cap where another company would now be considered one of the 30 largest companies in the U.S. economy, then that would 
hypothetically replace the company that had fallen out of favor. I think that's a pretty good analogy as far as, you know, they don't have an emotional attachment as far as, you know, oh, Sears Roebuck, it's a, it's a horrible mm-hmm. example, but, you know, sure. oh, they, they've always traditionally been a heavy hitter. We're just going to keep them in forever and ever. Mm-hmm. And I want to draw the parallel here to your retirement strategy. You may have some sort of brand loyalty to, to one stock or one index, but you don't, mm-hmm. you don't want that. You want to take the emotion out of it, which is something we've said many times here on the show and have a, a plan that is more analytical and methodical mm-hmm. rather than emotional. Yeah. To, the, to that point, Chris, um, when you're speaking about the Dow Jones, and that really um, encompasses, there's about 11 different sectors of the U.S. economy. And so those some stocks in those sectors, like consumer discretion, those are hobbies and travel and consumer staples, for instance, also has some companies that are in the, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, maybe you know companies like McDonald's. And those are uh, that that sector of the economy is where we've kind of been shifting more of our investors' money, you know, towards those sectors that are more defensive that have an everyday demand where if inflation, you know, goes up on food, you still have to buy it. Then let's say, you know, hotels mm-hmm. and things like that, where you just don't go this year. So that's actually a good point where we're actually shifting the portfolio to um, get them in a position to avoid, you know, loss or, uh, you know, take advantage of opportunities that we see inside of those that Dow Jones index. Focusing more on the necessities rather than the luxuries right now may not necessarily be the, the, the time to indulge in those either in, in purchasing stocks or also, you know, for your retirement plan at all. And, and it's, there are parallels here, but you really want to have a, a plan customized specifically to you. And again, like I said earlier, take the emotion out of it to not be subject to the whims of the, oh, my gosh, all my stocks are underperforming. I have to sell everything right now. No, take the emotion out. Have a methodical plan put together. The team at America's Retirement Headquarters, they can help you with that, guide you in the right direction. All you need to do to get started, pick up the phone and give a call, 419-794-3030, or go to the website, americasretirementheadquarters.com. Earlier in the show, we were talking about uh, unemployment being pretty low, and and overall layoffs do remain historically low, but the same can't be said across the board. For example, the tech world, companies like Twitter, Meta, and Amazon, letting thousands of workers go, and there are fears they could spread to other sectors as the Fed appears determined to cool off the job market with these uh, ever-increasing interest rates. Older workers might be presented with an early retirement package. Put that uh, upon them rather than, you know, be faced with layoff ultimately. Can you help them make sense of it so they feel better about their decision to maybe go ahead and retire now? Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, talking about the, the tech sector of the economy first to, to really see if that's something that investors need to be worried about across the board in all of their you know equity holdings you know, we talked earlier, the tech sector has really kind of been abysmal. Mm-hmm. You know, the sector itself down 30%. And, you know, I use the uh, Edgar Allan Poe, never more, never more. You know, <laughs> the story of the Raven. I honestly don't think, you know, the, these companies certainly aren't what they were um, even a year ago. So, uh, like Facebook, down almost 70% this mm-hmm. year, lost 70% of its value. Even Apple has not been... Um, you know, immune from the loss this year. And I think it's, again, going back to the the conversation that we had about interest rates. As interest rates have risen, the companies like, you know, the Facebooks and the Googles of the world who their business plan is so far out, you know, like the Teslas that they're thinking going to the moon and coming up with driverless cars. It's very hard for analysts to um, be, be able to, 
understand what the implications of higher input costs like higher interest rates is going to be on a business model like that. So generally analysts, you know, just sell it or they, they downgrade it because they just can't see what that's going to, to, to look like. Also, we've seen companies, again, like the Facebooks and Twitters, they've been down a lot. For the most part, they're really, I've called them advertising companies. Sure, absolutely. For the most part. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know that we do a fair amount of, you know, promoting some of our events on Facebook and, you know, some of those other social media platforms. And that's generally the first place where companies are going to cut cost mm -hmm. is where, uh, the, in the advertising, in the marketing spend. So I think we've seen that, you know, that's more uh, of, a, of a function of their business model itself. I don't think necessarily the, the economy as a whole. Uh, but certainly the technology sector did get a huge boost in 2020 as, because of COVID. As Absolutely. Yeah. Companies, you know, either had to digitize their operations or go mm -hmm. out of business. And so if they didn't already have a strong uh, process for digitizing their, their, I know we struggle with that a little bit in the is, initial because sure. we're a face-to-face -face business. Right. You know, how do you do business and financial services via Zoom? And it, and it worked actually, and it's continued actually. It's a trend that some people prefer. But if, you know, that certainly did represent a big boost and now that COVID is seemingly subsiding, I'm kind of crossing my fingers that it's sure. over, no more masks. But as it's, that, that's kind of has deflated the tech uh, sector um, further. And, um, you know, we're just really looking uh, for something, you know, to kind of give us that, that growth back. There maybe needs to be some sort of innovation. Uh, we've seen some companies start that are very well capitalized, which mm -hmm. the, the portfolios that our clients have, you know, you still do need to have a fairly strong concentration in, you know, some growth oriented investments for the future. Unfortunately, that has traditionally been the tech sectors of the economy, but of the, uh, the index in general, the companies we're buying are well capitalized and we've seen a lot of companies start to, to look to buy back some of their, their shares and that also, you know, increases the value. The, the reports are showing that there's so many people being let go and laid off, mm -hmm. you know, where are those jobs? Where are these people going to find jobs, you know? And I, I've run into it a lot where, um, you know, if you're, they're close to retirement, if they've done a good job at, at uh, setting up their retirement plan, they've got a written plan put together, and they may be 63, 64 years old, they decide that, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and take my buyout. Yeah. You know, one of the things you have to be prepared for is the cost of health insurance through that. Mm. Because you're not 65, you still have to have health insurance. It's true. Uh, I spoke with someone uh, um, this past week, and... Uh, they were on Cobra, and for a husband and wife in, uh, let's see, he was 63, she was six, uh, 54, and they have a daughter that's uh, 25, all on the same plan. Their Cobra cost was over $2,000 a month. Mm. Wow. You know, yeah, I mean, that's you're looking a, at $24,000. That's, that's, that's cash flow, right? It's $24,000 in, in premium. Plus your out-of-pocket expenses. That's not to say your deductibles aren't going to be another, you know, six to $8,000 there, too. So when all of these people are, are being let go from all of these, uh, you know, tech companies to downsize, uh, you have to be prepared for a lot of expenses mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, to maybe find a job. Because like you said, during the, the COVID when um, in 2020, they were making a lot of money. Look at Netflix. Netflix was off the yeah. charts. And, and now look at what it's trading mm -hmm. at. But these people were making a lot of money during that period. 
you lose your job, you're not going to go back and find a job making the amount of money you were making during that peak peak periods, Mm -hmm. right? So you've got to somehow find something that's going to at least get you some income to cover some of these costs. You find know, a way to tighten the belt a little bit. There's too. no question. Yeah. No question. So, you know, I, that's how, you know, one of the things that we do, and, and, and I help out by getting some, uh, you know, the marketplace policies put in place for them. Um, it's truly the Unaffordable Care Act, which is really, really struggling. I've done a lot of policies with people um, uh, this year for renewing for next year. Uh, and a couple of things have happened. One, uh, the subsidy amounts have gone up, which is a good thing. Uh, but two, the deductibles have gone up. You know, the high deductible was eighty seven hundred, is now ninety one hundred. I mean, think about that nine thousand one hundred dollars, and the premiums are gone up. So, you know, it's it's a lot of people are struggling with mm-hmm. trying to figure out what they're going to do. Um, and there's a lot of people that are are without jobs. Yeah, I've had some clients come to me and ask, "How much do I need to make?" In my right. job, you know, sure. I'm, I'm close to retirement. I'm not quite there to your point. I'm 63. I was hoping to work another six or seven years, but, mm-hmm. you know, certainly not going to be able to make the money I was making before. What can I do? You know, something maybe that I enjoy doing. It's certainly not going to be what I was making, but will my plan work? And we can absolutely build in, you know, or, or, or analyze that contingency to say, yeah, you know, Stephanie, you need to make a minimum of $30,000 per year at your job for the next four sure. years, and your plan will still have a high probability of success. We've said it many times here on the show. We hope that you get to work as long as, as you want to. If you want to work until, you know, 65, 70, we hope that that's in the cards. But we've also said hope is not a retirement strategy. Right. You want to go ahead and have a plan put in place. You want to go ahead and get the, the groundwork done just in case that's taken out of your hands or you decide that you suddenly want to retire earlier. Uh, it's never too early to start preparing for retirement and in a situation like this where we're seeing heightened senses lay, uh, layoffs, maybe go ahead and, and have that contingency plan put in. And again, with the hopes that you never really have to use it, but better safe than sorry. 419-794-3030 is how you uh, get the ball rolling on that, how you start putting together that plan, whether you do plan on retiring in the next year or so, or uh, something that you just kind of keep in the back pocket for the right time. 419-794-3030 and online at americasretirementheadquarters.com. Also, americasmedicareassociates.com. And I wanted to talk about Medicare here because four out of five people responding to a nationwide survey think that Medicare Part B, which covers doctor's visits and diagnostic services, is free. It is not. Uh, guys, I know that you help people create retirement plans and you take into account healthcare options. You make that uh, a factor. So what does that process look like when you're talking about what people are going to be facing as far as medical expenses? Well, you know, you're, th- those numbers are shocking and, and so very true. You know, uh, 79% of retirees erroneously think that Medicare Part B um, is free. And it's just not. Um, it's, it's, it's not free at all. But there are, um, you know, the standard levels, the standard level for um, uh, Medicare Part B moving into 2023 actually went down $5.20. Um uh, so that that premium actually is one sixty four ninety for Medicare Part B moving into twenty twenty three, and a lot of people just don't know that that's the case. They 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 look at these numbers. They come in. They talk to me, and they're like, "Well, I know I got Medicare Part A and B, but I also have to talk about something else, and that's a supplement or advantage plan, right?" And um, when I go through the cost analysis, I'm a numbers nerd, right? You know, Nolan says that all the time. I'm, I'm the same as he is. You know, when I meet with someone that is contemplating retiring and they're 65 or turning 65 or maybe even older, they want to know how much is that going to cost me? What is my total outlay for health care? 
So I go through the process and, and a lot of them say, well, I thought Medicare was free. Medicare Part A is free, providing you have worked and paid into Medicare 40 credit hours, okay? Equivalent to 10 years that you've paid into Medicare. Part A is free, so that, that they don't have to worry about. But the Medicare Part B has that premium. Now here's some other staggering numbers. Um, which a lot of people are not prepared for. I've had a couple of people, uh, actually I've had several people this past uh, AEP run into this issue. Uh, there are thresholds for income. And a lot of people don't understand if you make over a family for 2023 uh, a joint return, if you are from 94 to 246,000, then your Medicare Part B premium is two thirty eighty, okay? So the standard is one sixty four ninety, that is up to one hundred and ninety four thousand for a family or ninety seven thousand for an individual tax filer. If you make over uh, ninety seven to one twenty three as an individual or up to two forty six as a family, it's two thirty eighty, and this is a this is a graduated number, right? Because if you get somewhere between 366 and 750, your Part B premium is going to cost you $527 a month. Now that's just for your Part B, okay? The other thing you come that, that comes into play is your prescription plan, and your prescription plan is going to cost you an additional uh, $75 up to that high dollar limit, right? So a lot of people look at that and say. So my husband, my, my wife is going to pay the same thing. So I'm looking at a little over uh, $1,100 for Medicare Part B. And then I'm getting this additional bump for prescriptions. I'm paying $1,200 just to sign up for Medicare. Well, this isn't what I thought it was. You know, so uh, there are some little uh, nuances to this. Uh, if you, they look back two years, so if you go back two years and look at your um, your income from two years ago, that is what they're basing that number on. So there are situations where I, I had a farmer that was in here uh, uh, during the AEP, and he knew he was retiring. He had a stockpile of silos full of uh, grain uh, that he was dumping, knowing that he was retiring from farming. He wasn't going to retire any, or work anymore, right? So he dumped all of that grain. He sold it all off. Well, he had a windfall, uh, well in excess of 400000 which mm. was income. So he gets a bill. And he says, Scott, my bill is like 500 some odd dollars. You know, what's the story with this? So I explained to him. And one of the things I encouraged him to do was he actually, you can file an appeal and, uh, you know, if you sell off your grain like he did, or if you own some rental properties or a, a big rental property and you sell it off and get a, a lump sum of $500,000, that's a one time. That's your, not your income. That's your one time windfall. And a lot of times what will happen is Social Security Administration and Medicare will actually reduce that uh, Part B premium back down to the standard um, if that's what your income was prior to that. So, you know, a lot of things that uh, people need to be aware of when um, looking to retire and sign up for Medicare. Medicare Part B is absolutely definitely not free. Um, it is definitely, there's a cost involved to it, and uh, that does vary depending on your income.
considered a, a luxury tax, if you will, for the same amount of benefit, by the way. We've talked about this before. You know, just because you're paying more doesn't mean that you're getting a, 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 a Medicare Part B diamond or, you know, something something mm. like that. So something to take in mind, there is that two-year look back. So as you're entering into retirement age, as you're entering into Medicare eligibility age, uh, maybe figuring out ways to uh, minimize the income, uh, again, legally, <laughs> go ahead and put that right, right, out there. Exactly. Um, you know, but, but looking at maybe uh, uh, tax-free strategies and things like that to, to mitigize, uh, minim- mitigate the amount of reported income you have to have. It's all part of the process. And again, it is something that uh, you want to go ahead and start doing prior to the year that you plan on retiring. So no time like the present, literally. Pick up the phone, give a call and schedule the time to speak with the team at America's Retirement Headquarters. 419-794-3030 is that phone number. And americasretirementheadquarters.com is the website. Now, college freshmen say the darndest things. I want you guys to listen to podcaster Chip Layton as he read some real text messages from young people to their parents as they embarked on their higher learning. My son asked me what his maiden name was. Daughter thought fresh towels would be delivered to her dorm room daily. Asked if the toilet ran off electricity. 19-year-old asked how you dial the spaces in a phone number. Son put 911 for his emergency contact because it literally is for emergencies. For primary care provider, he wrote, my mom. You know, I feel like these are <laughs> some answers that maybe in my, my youth I, I may have given. This is our future, by the way. Uh, so those nearing retirement may feel somewhat intimidated when they sit down with a financial advisor for the first time, uh, you know, afraid of asking ridiculous questions like what we just this catalog there. How do you put them at ease so that they're not afraid to ask any question? This topic really kind of rings um, um, dear and dear to our hearts here because this past week, um, Nolan Banker and the team here, we put together a um, client advisory board. And uh, basically what we do is we invite, um, you know, uh, about 10 of our uh, clients in to come in and talk uh, to us. And and we go through some different things and we kind of figure out, um, you know, it it helps us build um, the relationship with the client, but it also shows us the good, the bad, and the ugly of things that we may be doing, right? And um, fortunately, there was no ugly. Uh, There were some things that they would like to see differently, right? Um, And there were a lot of things that they liked that we were currently doing, which was was good. And it kind of helps us, you know, the more that we can listen to our clients, uh, give them what they're looking for, um, it kind of helps us keep maintain that really high retention rate that we have. I think Nolan said we were at like 98% mm-hmm. retention yeah. on our current clients, which is phenomenal. But one of the things that really came out of it that was really kind of, well, it was really kind of neat to hear and it poses a big question uh, and, and problem out there is a few of the people have some young adults, right? And uh, when I say young adults, we're looking at, you know, somewhere between 22 to uh, 30 years old. And one of their big concerns, because we do a lot of educational events here. I do my educational meetings on um, uh, Medicare. And I know that we have uh, uh, two events a year that uh, Nolan puts on, which is the um, Economic Summits. And uh, you, we kind of go over a little bit about how the economy is and what's new out there in the market and, and the things to be prepared for. And um, a couple of these people, these parents said, one of the things that they would really like to see is an event that was geared towards their young adults. 
because they've talked to them about the importance of investing and putting money aside. And um, they said, you know, we the one the one person had four children, and she says, I've only got one of the four mm -hmm. that has any idea at all about investing. Yeah. Uh, and you know the other three and she says it's very important for us to instill in them these values but they just don't get it coming from us uh, so I, I found that to be um, somewhat interesting yeah. so I kind of looked back with like my daughter so my daughter gets a job she graduates from college she gets a job she goes out and um, uh, they have a benefits package so I'm sitting with her and I'm going through all of these things and I signed her up for her health insurance which is auto deduct from her checking account and I set her up for her um, um, uh, dental and vision and then putting money aside into a 401k and she said, Dad, I, what's that? I don't need that, do I? I go, yes, you do need that, yeah. you know? She, she doesn't know what she doesn't know, mm -hmm. right? Uh, so we set that all up, and uh, I said, you'll never miss it because you'll never see it, and just keep putting in the max, and anytime you can have a 401K where an employer is going to max uh, or match, um, it's free money. Why not take advantage Literally. of that, you know? So, you know, one of the things that we do here is we can actually, um, you know, kind of put the mind at ease and let, let our clients know that, yeah, we're – we're on top of it you know we've got your interest in um uh, best interest at hand and um um i know we've got some young people in the office uh, connor and, and cody that are interns and cody is actually hired now here and uh they were that young freshman uh, sending these goofy tap uh, i i love that part of the um the conference that we have with our clients because i think it does ring true i think that uh that's a good way for us to give back and help the next uh, generations really prosper financially. I don't exactly know why, but I do see that as a trend for that generation maybe. Could be just that the market has not been all that great, you know, mm -hmm. in their lifetime. And so maybe they're a bit fearful. I know I was coming out of college. It was 2000, 2001, which is the tech wreck. Mm. And then we went to work and then 2008, 2009 shortly happened. So as, as a general rule, I feel like I've always been pretty conservative. But for our retirees, though, that question of not asking a dumb, a dumb question, I think some of the things that we do well here at the Retirement Guys, and I'm going to include uh, AMA in it as well, is that we don't talk too much in acronyms. Right. I think that confuses people. You know, in our industries are rife with them. I, AEP, OEP, IRA, RMD, you know, that can get very confusing. We don't. We try not to do general rules of thumb. I'm not a, a big fan of oh, just you know, uh, subtract your age and put you know from a hundred, and and that's the percent they should have in a certain asset class. We try to be very specific in our recommendations. We also uh, try to really do a good job of speaking to the non-financial spouse. Mm -hmm. I know in most families there's somebody that maybe takes care of the money, and then somebody that's kind of uh, actually, you know, taking care of the household or whatnot. Sure. I was in a meeting with another advisor and, um, he, we asked his spouse what she did for a living. And she said, well, I'm a homemaker. And he's like, okay, you're, you're only one that works then basically, you know, okay. so just joking around, but that's hard work. So, yeah. uh, speaking to, you know, the non-financial spouse and understanding, um, that sometimes there are these cognitive biases, I think that we all have as people. So, uh, one maybe recency bias, to think that, oh, the market has done a certain percent or, you know, traditionally has averaged this. And so I assume that it's going to average that in, the, in my retirement or um, risk aversion. Risk aversion is really 
an interesting topic for me because we do a, a risk analysis, you know, in our financial planning. And just by posing the question, you know, would you sacrifice uh, the opportunity to get in the market for a, a particular, you know, fixed rate, some clients will answer mm -hmm. a certain way. If I just change the question to say, would you sacrifice, you know, would you take a risk to avoid a loss? Most often people will take the same, you know, trade-off, mm -hmm. the same risk right. just to avoid the loss. People have an aversion to loss. Um, they're more fearful of loss than they are of gain. So it's taken a lot of experience and time, which I think is what sure. sets us apart to know that those things exist mm -hmm. and uh, people are people. And so speaking to them, not trying to oversimplify or mansplain or undersimplify, <laughs> you know, and just being real, I think is what we do here. Good at the retirement guys. You know, and it's one of those things where it can certainly seem intimidating, the whole prospect of retirement and, and making your, your money last for the rest of your life. That's the goal, right? Uh, and and to, to try to do it alone or to come to people like the team at America's Retirement Headquarters who have over 50 plus years of combined industry experience, it can seem daunting and intimidating. But we are talking about your finances, your retirement. And so don't be afraid to ask those questions. They've, I'm sure, uh, heard heard a wide gamut of things. And, and the worst questions are the ones that you don't ask, because right. if you want to know, I'm sure that someone else has wanted to know before, and, and they've certainly heard those situations. Let them address it. Let them explain it to you. Not talk above you, not, you know, talk down to you, but but certainly, uh, you know, on, on a on a level way and, and hopefully set your mind at ease when it comes to your retirement prospects. It all starts with that phone call. 419-794-3030. That's the number. That's how you get started. Once again, 419-794-3030. You can always find them online, americasretirementheadquarters.com. I want to thank you so much for joining us this week here on the show, spending part of your weekend with us here on America's Retirement Headquarters. Please uh, have a great week ahead of you. Have a safe week ahead of you. It's the holiday season, so make sure you go and do something festive. Chaz, as always, appreciate it. Uh, Scott, appreciate you as always as well. And guys, as we wrap up, I want to leave you with the final word. Well, I want to thank Chaz for uh, joining today thank and uh, helping out today. The best thing money can buy is financial freedom. Uh, thank you all for listening, and uh, hope you all have a safe and merry uh, Christmas and uh, safe travels uh, wherever you may head. Happy holidays, everybody. America's Retirement Headquarters is located at 1700 Woodlands Drive in Maumee, Ohio. You can reach them by calling 419-794-3030 or online at americasretirementheadquarters.com. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell any financial vehicle. Investments can fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Nolan Baker is not affiliated with nor endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency and does not provide legal or tax advice. Please consult with your attorney, accountant, and or tax advisor for advice concerning your particular circumstance. Annuity guarantees rely solely on the financial strength and claims paying ability of the issuing insurance company. By contacting us, you may be provided with information about insurance and annuity products offered through Nolan Baker, Ohio Insurance License Number 27787.